Hey, Woodlands Church, Chris and I are just so grateful to you. I know that uh, so many of you have been praying for us, As um, and some of you may not know that my mom went to be with the Lord on Thursday, and uh, the greatest mom in the world, and she was ready to go and meet the Lord and be reunited with my dad, who passed away last March, and so, um, you know, it was so sad. We've cried a lot of tears the last couple of days, and we've laughed a lot, because my mom was a godly woman, she loved the Lord with all her heart, but she was real. She was genuine. And I'll never forget after her stroke um, several years ago, she just lost all filters. I think that um, she was pretty excited about that, that she could get away with just about anything after that stroke. And, uh, you know, this pastor's wife of over 60 years got to just say whatever she felt like saying to anyone that she wanted to say it to. It was, it was pretty awesome. Um, she was set free. And I remember right after the stroke, um, my dad was real concerned, you know, that trying to make sure that she was okay. And so as uh, she became conscious and was doing really good, he started holding up fingers going, how many fingers am I holding up? Jackie, how many fingers am I holding up? And she went, four. How many fingers am I holding up? Two. How many fingers am I holding up? You know, six. And she was getting really frustrated because he just kept doing that. And finally, she just shot the finger at him and said, how many fingers am I holding up? <laughs> My sweet pastor's wife, mom. And she acted like she didn't know what she was doing. But, uh, you know, but we're going to get real today. Um, and we're going to talk about the big elephant in the room. You know, we're so grateful here in the U.S. that the coronavirus pandemic seems to be nearing an end, but there's another virus that's much more lethal than the coronavirus, and it's raging across the world right now because it's so contagious, and it's devastating to something so much more important than the economy. It's devastating families. It's devastating marriages. It's destroying relationships. That's because when this virus starts to take hold, it directly attacks our minds, and then our emotions and then our very souls. I'm talking about the pandemic of pornography. I was first exposed to the virus in sixth or seventh grade. I just subscribed to Sports Illustrated, and my February issue arrived at the house. I was so excited. I picked it up thinking that I would see a picture on the cover of the Super Bowl-winning Pittsburgh Steelers, but to my surprise, on the cover was a woman in a skimpy bathing suit on the beach. It was the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. And I still remember the rush, that feeling of excitement and confusion and curiosity that just filled up my seventh grade mind and heart. And I tucked the magazine under my arm, hoping no one would see, and I went into my room and sat on my bed, and for the next hour, I looked through the pages, and I felt this rush of excitement for the next hour, then followed by intense shame and guilt, and I thought, I can't tell anyone how awful and dirty I've been. I was filled with such fear, and so didn't know what to do, so I just hid it under my bed. And then in about eighth or ninth grade, I was upstairs watching television all alone, and the cable era had just begun, and my kids don't believe it when I tell them that we just had, when I was a little kid, we just had three channels, and you had to hook up 
the antenna to the electric toaster to get one of the channels. It was so bad, you know. And the cable came along, and we had ESPN. We had all these channels. It was amazing. And I was flipping through the channels one night, and the Playboy channel was on. Now, it was scrambled. We didn't get the Playboy channel. But some of you who are my age remember those scramblers didn't really work that well. And in fact, it wasn't even working that night at all, and I felt that feeling again, the rush. Then the overwhelming sense of shame and guilt. Of course, I could never tell anyone. I was a Christian. I loved the Lord. Can any of you relate to what I just said? Apparently, a lot of you can, because studies show that 99% of you have been exposed to the porn virus. And so many men are struggling with this, and now more and more women are struggling with this virus. Christian men and women aren't immune to it either. One study that just came out says that 64% of Christian men view porn at least once a month, and 11% of Christian women view porn at least once a month. Now, if you're 18 to 30, you guys who are 18 to 30 years of age, 79% of Christians 79% of Christian men, 18 to 30, view porn at least once a month. And over 50% of pastors are struggling with pornography. Now, it's not at all like when I was a kid. The rules have changed. Now you can have porn in your pocket, smartphones, iPads, computers. Every pornographic image is just a click away. What has changed that's turned this virus that's always been around into a pandemic that's destroying lives and relationships. It's three things. It's accessible. It's just a click away. It's affordable. And it's anonymous. It used to, you had to do some work to get something pornographic. Go down to the adult bookstore. Go to the strip club. You had to do something. Go to the video store and rent a video. But now, it's so accessible. And the pandemic is so prevalent in our culture today, it raises the question, is victory over porn even possible? I mean, is it even possible today in our sex-obsessed society that we live in? And I can tell you the answer is a resounding yes. In fact, it's God's good plan for you that you experience victory in this area. Now, a lot has changed technologically to make it much easier to get hooked but the enemy's tactics haven't changed a bit. Satan always has worked the same way. He tells you, it's no big deal, everyone's doing it, just click on that. I mean, you've had it really tough this week, you deserve the pleasure, it's harmless, it's not hurting anyone, God made you a sexual being, it's an outlet. And then right after you give in, he says, you're disgusting, you're not a Christian, God doesn't love you. And he just piles on the shame. That's the way he's always worked. Now, if you're a Christ follower, every time you sin, maybe you're struggling with an anger issue. You know, maybe you're struggling with a a lying issue or a pride issue or a lust issue. Every time you sin and you ask God to forgive you, he forgives instantly. You can't make God love you any less than he loves you right now. You can't make God love you any more by doing good things than he does right now. He forgives you instantly, but the problem is this. 
when you get stuck in a sin and you struggle with a sin and you don't experience victory, you can get forgiveness every time, but Satan will pile on the shame if you don't get victory in such a way that you'll never be all that God wants you to be. It will keep you from being bold and stepping out and being all that God has called you to be. It will always lock you down to some degree. And so God not only wants you to experience forgiveness, he wants you to walk in victory with no shame. Total victory in this area. Now let me just describe the way it usually happens if you're struggling with lust. Now, there are variants of the virus. Everyone's story is a little bit different, but it usually goes something like this. You were exposed to porn as a kid or a teenager, and by the way, if you were exposed to porn, um, if you were under 16 years of age and exposed to porn, studies show that you're more likely to struggle with it. Now, the average age now is 11 because of technology, and it's getting younger every year. And so you were exposed to porn maybe as a kid and, or maybe out on a date, you lost your innocence early in your teen years. You never planned for it to happen that way. And sadly to say, some of you were molested by someone that you trusted and no child should ever have to endure such an evil act. And that's just trauma. It's a trauma that you didn't deserve, but it's a trauma that has to be healed but I would also say that when you see pornography, maybe there was a stash of Playboys on, you know, in a neighbor's house that was easy to find, and maybe it was on the computer. But whenever you're exposed to porn at an early age, there's also an injury. It may not be trauma like molestation, and it may not be trauma like sexual abuse, but it's still an injury. It's a wound, it's a mental injury, it's an emotional injury, it's a spiritual injury because your mind is not ready for those images and your spirit is not ready for that. God created sex, it's a beautiful, amazing gift of God. He invented it, he made you a sexual being, he made you for pleasure, but you're not ready for that at that age and it creates a wound. But then a dopamine rush those neural pathways short-circuit God's true intent for pleasure. And so maybe you were exposed to porn and you felt that feeling, but then you felt the shame. And afterwards, you know, you're a Christ follower. You say, God, forgive me. I'll never do it again. What was I thinking? God, take this away, but it doesn't go away. And you hide it because the virus of lust grows best in the dark. That's one of Satan's oldest games is can't tell anyone, don't tell anyone. You gotta hide this, this is shameful. And that's when the virus really grows out of control. See, the light kills it. And so you may do really well for a while, but eventually you stumble again. And then the enemy will tell you, you're a loser, you're a failure. And so then you might even binge because you've already failed and you just give in, so what does it matter? And you hate it, but you can't seem to overcome it. And you tell yourself, well, once I get married, all my problems with lust will be solved because we'll probably make love seven or eight times a day. Someone really laughed at that. It was a man. And no, it doesn't go away because it's not a lust issue. It's a virus that caused a spiritual wound that has to be healed. And if you don't deal with the virus and heal from the wound, usually you go one of two ways. 
You hide it and live in shame, and it only gets worse. It only escalates. Oh, I can handle it. It's not that big a deal. It only escalates. So you hide it, you live in shame, or when you can't get victory, you start to justify it. And you say, well, everybody's doing it. I mean, if that's all I'm doing, you know, I'm not really hurting anyone. And, and you start to justify it. And you miss out on what God has for you. And so what I want us to do today is not to cause shame. That's what Satan does. I'm so excited about this message because some of you are gonna get victory that you never dreamed possible. Some of you are gonna see God work such a miracle today in your life and you're gonna walk out of here with your head held high and you're gonna see that God has a purpose and a plan and he loves you so much and he's gonna give you his strength and his power to live in victory. And so I want you to open your Bibles to the book of James in the New Testament and just follow along with me. Would you stand in honor of God's word? James 1, 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Dear God, I thank you that every good gift that we have in our lives is from you. And sex is a beautiful, amazing, wonderful gift that you've given us, Lord. But it's only to be experienced in the confines and the boundaries of marriage. And Lord, I know there's this virus that's just tearing so many up today. So many Christians, Lord, aren't experiencing what you want. They're not experiencing the joy and the true pleasure that you have for them. And I just thank you that you're going to set so many people free today, Lord, as we talk about this subject that, Lord, makes us uncomfortable, but it's so important because you want to set us free. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. You know, to have victory over this virus, we need to find out where it originates. We've got to dig in and find out where the virus originates from and then where it will take us if we let it. And this passage we just read, we're going to break it down because it shows us. First, it starts with desire. In verse 14 of James 1, it says, each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire. Now, focus on the words evil desire. It's talking about the desires in your flesh. You see, if you're a Christ follower, you're a new creation, the Bible says. He's given you a brand new heart. You're totally forgiven. You've got heaven one day. And he's changed you from the inside out. You've got a new heart. And yet, we still live in this flesh. And our flesh has evil desires. Our flesh craves things that are destructive. Your flesh craves things and desires things that will hurt you deeply. I mean, my flesh, every night about 11 p.m., thinks it's an amazing, wonderful, good idea to eat a gallon of Blue Bell ice cream. My flesh is trying to kill me, okay? But my heart, my true heart says, that's stupid. Don't do that. It's destructive. But my flesh says, no, it's a great idea. Let's go for it. 
And so you have these evil desires in your flesh, and then you have a true heart, your true desires, your deep desires, who you really are. But you have to recognize that because he says right here that those evil desires from our flesh lead us down the wrong path. That's why when somebody says, oh, just follow your feelings, just do whatever you feel like. Saying, no, you'll be dead by the morning probably if you do that. I mean, your feelings, your flesh take you down wrong paths all the time. No, if you're Christ follower, you gotta live from your true heart, not from your fleshly desires. Now, every good gift, this passage says, is from God. And of course, sex is one of those gifts that he invented. It's a good gift from God. It's for procreation and pleasure, emotional and spiritual oneness, in the marriage relationship, God made us to experience pleasure. Did you know that? God created Adam and Eve and he put them in the Garden of Eden. The word Eden means pleasure. You were made for pleasure. God made you to enjoy pleasure, but porn is a counterfeit that takes you down the wrong path and it short circuits God's plan for true pleasure. And it's just instant gratification that always leaves you empty. Promises so much and delivers nothing. Porn is a counterfeit to the pleasure that God wants you to have. Now, really, in a sense, every man and every woman who surfs, who surfs the internet for pornography is really surfing for God. You, you see, all of our deepest longings, God placed that in our hearts. He made you with those longings for fulfillment, for meaning, for joy, for peace. He, he made you with those longings for pleasure, he put those longings in your heart, and so we're always searching for God because we can only find our deepest desires in God. He's the only one that can meet your deepest needs and give you true fulfillment, meaning can't find it in another person, can't find it in things, it's only in God. So he purposely made you to long for meaning, to long for joy, to long for fulfillment, and really, all of our searching is just a search for God. Even our sinning is a misguided search for God. And so when a man or a woman surfs for pornography on the internet, they're really surfing for God. They're trying to fill the deep longing with just a counterfeit that can never really fill them. It's a counterfeit that just leaves them even more empty. C.S. Lewis put it this way, he said, our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because they cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. He's saying that we settle for playing in the mud puddles of instant gratification that just leaves us even more empty instead of swimming in the ocean of God's pleasure that he's created us for. You see, most Christians think when they're struggling with lust, what they need to do is douse their desires, suppress their desires, tamp down their desires, and that's not true at all. What you need to do is get in touch with your true desires. Stop following your fleshly desires, those evil desires that only hurt you. Get in touch and allow God to bring alive your true desires so that those desires just overwhelm you and you find real pleasure and not the counterfeit that just leaves you empty. 
You see, sexual sin, porn, lust, it's just a misguided search for God. It's just following that counterfeit desire of your flesh to try to heal a wound that only God can heal. And so it always starts out with evil desires. But then it moves to deception. In verse 14, the second part of the verse in James 1, it says, but each person is tempted when they're dragged away and enticed. Focus on that word enticed because the root of that word in the Greek is a fishing term and it basically means lure. It means that Satan always uses a lure, a counterfeit. It's like that fish sees that plastic worm and that worm looks so juicy and the fish is just convinced you know, if I take that worm, it's going to taste so good. It's going to fill me up. It's going to be amazing. And then he takes it, and what happens? It's just plastic. Doesn't fulfill, and there's a hook in it. And that's the way it is with lust and porn. There's always a hook in it. It looks so good. But it's just a counterfeit of real intimacy. It's just a counterfeit of real pleasure that God has for us. And it just leaves you more and more empty because there's a hook in it. And it could turn into addiction really fast. And so for every one of the deep desires that God has placed in your true heart, Satan has a counterfeit for it. Every one of those deep desires that you have and those deep longings you have, Satan's got a counterfeit for it that short circuits God's plan and hurts you. Because the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your passion for life. He wants to kill your hopes. He, he wants to destroy your relationships. That's his purpose. Christ came to give us life, life to the full. Satan came to kill, steal, and destroy. And he's always working on that. So he puts out the counterfeit that looks kind of like the real thing. It's like that plastic worm. It looks so good, but it leaves you more empty. And it creates so much pain. Instead of pleasure, it's just the opposite. Gerald May says this, the question is not whether you can do whatever you want, but whether you can do what you most deeply want. You see, we think freedom is doing whatever we wanna do, and that's just the opposite of freedom. Because whenever you do whatever your flesh wants to do, then you get trapped. Whenever you do what your flesh wants to do, then it leads to enslavement, the opposite of freedom. It can lead to addiction. You get chained to lust. You see, it's not that freedom is doing whatever you want to do. Real freedom is doing what you most deeply want to do from your true heart. Not your flesh that battles against your true heart, but it's really letting your heart come to the forefront, learning how to live from your true heart, learning how to nourish your heart, learning how to allow those desires to overwhelm you that are in your true heart because the thing porn does, it damps down your true desires. It numbs you. In fact, all the new brain studies show that it just numbs the pleasure centers in your brain. Think it's gonna bring more pleasures, but no, there's neural pathways that are created in your brain. And your brain is just flesh, by the way. And these neural pathways that are created by pornography go right to the pleasure center, but they short circuit everything. It's instant gratification. It blocks out pain for the moment, and then it releases lots of pain. And so we have to get serious about this, but we have to realize, too, it's not about don't do this, don't do that. It's about doing what you truly, truly want to do. 
Dr. Larry Crabb, this Christian counselor, has written many books, one day had his top apprentice come into his office who is training with him to help him in his practice. And, and this young apprentice said, Dr. Crabb, I have to tell you something, and I'm so ashamed. I'm struggling so much looking at pornography and masturbating, and I, I've been hiding it from me. I didn't want to tell you. I mean, I'm just so scared right now, and I've just blown it. You know, I'm a failure. And Larry Crabb didn't even look up from his desk as he was writing, and he said, oh, well, just look at porn and masturbate as much as you want to. And he said, what? He said, I don't understand. He said, oh, just look at porn and masturbate as much as you want to. And he didn't even look up. And this young man said, but I don't want to. He, said, he looked up and he said, that's the point. Your true self doesn't want to. You're just following your flesh. So we gotta bring out your true self. We have gotta get you in touch with the true desires that God has placed in your heart because it's not that your desires are too strong. You need to douse your desires. You need to get in touch with your true desires and let them come alive in your life. Look at Ephesians 4.19. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. Focus on that phrase, lost all sensitivity. In striving for pleasure, pornography and lust and sexual sin goes right to the pleasure centers, but what happens? It dulls your pleasure centers over time, and it doesn't take long. That's why it always escalates, because there has to be more. has to be more and more hardcore for you to have any pleasure, and that's why it's addictive. And people say, well, I can handle it, but it always escalates. It's deception. It promises so much pleasure, and all it delivers is a lot of pain. But then we move to the third thing, disobedience. In verse 15 of James 1, it says, Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. Now, what is sin anyway? Sin is just disobeying God. We know that. But why does God say, don't do this and don't do that? Why does God give us all those don'ts? Why does he tell us don't do this? Is it because he wants to make us miserable? Is it because he's just testing us? I'm gonna throw out something really dumb and see if they do it to prove that they love me. No, here's what sin is. Sin is disobeying God, but God made you a certain way. And he made you to live for him. And you weren't made to sin. You weren't made for sinning. And so when you sin, it goes against how you were made, and it's really destructive. And that's why God says, don't do this, don't do that, because he made you. He knows why he made you. He knows how he made you. He knows what you were made for, and he knows that sin is so destructive. And that's why it hurts him so deeply, because he loves you so much. It's understanding that you weren't made for that. You weren't made for lust. You were made for love. You were made for pleasure. You were made for enjoying life. You were made for enjoying a deep pleasurable connection with the God of the universe to love God and enjoy him forever. But you weren't made for lust, and so lust is destructive. Look at this next passage. In 1 Corinthians 6, 13, it says, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. So you weren't made for lust, and that's why it's so destructive. And God says, don't do this or don't do that. It's because he knows you weren't made for that. And if you do that, it's gonna hurt you. It's gonna hurt others. It's kind of like... If you could buy your dream car, I don't know what your dream car is. Maybe it's just a souped-up 
Mustang or maybe it's a Lamborghini, maybe it's a Ferrari. It's your dream car, your dream car. Oh, if you could have that dream car, wouldn't that be amazing? And so let's just say you get a Ferrari, you get your dream car and you take it on the road the first time and man, it just goes and it just hugs those curves. I mean, you just can't believe the get up and go down that freeway, it just feels so good. I mean, you can't go the speed limit, that's for sure. I mean, it was made to go fast, but then you see a little hiking trail that goes off into the woods. It's a rocky trail, goes off into the woods, up into the mountains, and you think, you know what, I'm gonna go on that trail. And you just turn, go on that trail, and you just rip that car up. How stupid would that be? But that's the way it is with lust. God made you for pleasure. God made you for connection. God made you for real intimacy. God made you not to lust. You weren't made for lust. And so when you do, it's destructive because you weren't made for that. Just like that Ferrari was made for the highway. It wasn't made to go off-road. It wasn't made to go through the lake. It was made to go on that road. And God knows how he made you. And he's just loving you and telling you, you'll never find fulfillment this way. In fact, it's destructive. It's a counterfeit. And then we move to that last D, destruction. In verse 15, the second part of the verse in James 1, it says, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. It's death to your freedom and addiction. It's death to intimacy and connection because it just provides false intimacy. It's death to seeing others as a brother or sister in Christ because you start seeing people as objects of sexual sin, objects to be used and degraded. And it's death to relationships, really close, intimate relationships, and it's death to your deepest longings. And so it's destructive. I want you to look at what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 7.15. If you're a Christ follower today struggling with pornography, um, you'll probably relate to this statement. He says, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. He goes on to say that it's his flesh, those evil desires that, that's in him that's working against his true desires, his true identity, what he truly wants to do. And so what I wanna do is spend the next few moments on victory over pornography because the Apostle Paul talks about that war with the flesh and the flesh is at war with your true self. But really, when it comes to this, there's just a few simple things that you can do and you will have victory. A few simple things that you can do and you will live in victory, but it takes courage. It takes some courage. It takes being honest like the Apostle Paul and saying, hey, I struggle with this. You have to bring it into the light. And so that's the first thing. Bring it into the light so God can heal your heart. Porn is the ultimate elephant in the room. Most churches don't talk about it. And you know, this weekend, our services, everybody's really quiet and looks a little uncomfortable, you know? I probably should have told more jokes. I, I don't know, you know? Or like, wow, I would rather come to the service where he's talking about tithing than this one. You know, it's like, it's, this is tough. This is a tough one. You know, and, but yet we, we've got to talk about it. That's Satan's big thing. He says, keep it in the dark. Keep it in the dark. Don't talk about it. And it's destroying so many lives. And so we got to bring it into the light so he can heal our hearts. 
In James 5, 16, it says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So we confess to God for forgiveness, and he always forgives. But then we confess to someone that we trust for healing. There's no other way. Satan will tell you, you, you can make it on your own. No one will ever have to know about this. You, you can fix this. You, you can change this. You can get control of this. Don't dare tell anyone. You can do it yourself. You can fix this yourself, but you cannot. It will not happen. You have to confess it to someone else that you trust for healing to start because revealing starts the healing. Light begins to kill this virus. It grows out of control in the dark. And that's why it's a shame that most churches don't talk about it. It's growing out of control and it's destroying our kids. It's destroying relationships and souls and hearts. You know, we're gonna have our prayer teams out at the fountain at the end of this service and to pray for you for whatever you're going through, to pray for healing, to pray for strength in any area of your life. But also, some of you, you wanna go out there and you wanna share with them that you're struggling with porn, you're struggling with lust, and have them pray for you because something happens when you reveal. Revealing starts the healing. You've gotta reveal it. Something happens right then and there when you bring it into the light. You're not alone anymore because Satan will tell you, you're the only one. You're the only one who's doing what you're doing. Maybe it's escalated so much that you're acting out in such a way that's so destructive and it can't last much longer, but it's time for you to confess it. To confess it and just tell it. They'll love you. They'll pray for you. You will not feel alone anymore, and the healing will start. And some of you need to tell your spouse. I know that there's some spouses that don't want to hear about that. You, just, you, you get with your, your mentor. You get with your accountability partner, your men's group or whatever, and you talk about it. I don't want to hear about it, but most spouses do. And so you've got to confess it to your spouse. And that's going to be really hard. But when you do, then you have an ally. Now, your spouse is probably gonna be really angry and hurt and feel totally betrayed and they have every right to feel that way. But if you're a spouse who this message makes your husband or your wife come to you and say, hey, I'm struggling with this, just remember that they're taking a step because they wanna be connected to you. They wanna live in victory. I mean, they're taking a brave step. You're gonna feel betrayed, angry, hurt, upset, and, and you have every right to, you should. And it's gonna take time for them to build trust back. But just know they're desiring to be a godly man or a godly woman because you confess it to your spouse. And when you do confess it, confess it all. Don't let it trickle out, just get it all out so that you can tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth and keep your marriage out of court. That's the way you do it. Get it all out. Well, I'm protecting my spouse. No, you're not. You're protecting yourself. And protect him. No. I'm sure you have that desire a little bit, but it's mostly protecting yourself. And so we have to get real. We have to bring it into the light as he is in the light. Then secondly, walk in the light and live from your heart. Now, how do you do that? You gotta renew your mind first. Now, the Bible is is amazing because now the new brain science is catching up with the Bible. The new brain science says you can renew your mind. You can, if you're hooked on pornography and lust, 
you know, it rewires your brain and it short circuits so much that God intends for you and it basically goes right to the pleasure centers and in those pleasure centers, it begins to numb the pleasure center so that it has to escalate and as it numbs the pleasure centers, it creates this really shortcut pathway that God has to reconnect in different ways. And a lot of the science says it takes about 90 days with pornography to really renew your mind. And by the way, it's the same pathways that cocaine uses and, and many drugs. That's why it, it's so addictive. You have to renew your mind. It says in Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I love that. And so your mind can be renewed when you spend time in God's word, you get connected to some other people, and that's why we have a mini ministry fair out here. We've got our counseling ministry out there today. You can get connected for counseling, couples counseling, or just get counseled for whatever you're going through. And then we have a restoration ministry, and whatever hurt you're dealing with, whatever hang-up you're dealing with, Whatever struggle you're going through, there is a group for your struggle, I promise you, in our restoration ministry. We have our men's life groups, our women's life groups, our couples' life groups. You need to connected to other people and begin to renew your mind, spending time in God's word, and then you know, staying away from pornography. We're gonna talk about that in just a moment. But let God bring your true desires to the forefront. And then set boundaries to protect your heart. This is really important. In Romans 13, 14, it says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. So we have to admit that we have flesh. We live in flesh. And some of us are vulnerable. In fact, most men are vulnerable. And a lot of women are vulnerable to this sin. And so our flesh wants what it wants, but it's destructive, and so we've got to put some boundaries on our flesh because we don't want to live from our flesh. We want to live from our true selves. And let me just share some of the things that I do to make no provision for the flesh. I have a filter on all my devices. And so I can't go to bad sites. I can't download apps and get around it. Um, I can't, I just have a filter and I have covenant eyes. It's not perfect. There's no perfect filter. Sometimes, you know, you try to look up something that's totally innocent and it'll block it. When I was doing some study for this message um, and I was looking up some statistics on pornography, it blocked that. But you know what? It's worth it. And my wife has the code because she is my greatest ally being there on my team to help me. And we help each other and she is the one who has those codes. And by the way, I also have a, a software that's an accountability software. So everything I look at on my devices, she can also see. And I love that because she's my ally. She's my helper in this because there's no way you can stay in victory. There's no way that you can live in victory in our sex-obsessed culture unless you start Put some boundaries on your flesh. Make no provision for the flesh. Social media, I'm not on social media. Sorry to disappoint you, but I'm not writing those brilliant tweets. It's some of my team that'll take the things I say in the messages and put those on there, you know, and, and different things. I do devotionals and record them, and they put it on there. And social media is a great thing. It's really important, but I'm not on there because it's not worth it for me to be on there. 
then I never meet with someone of the opposite sex alone. Never go out to lunch with someone of the opposite sex alone. Never have someone of the opposite sex in my office alone unless the door's open and my executive assistant is my ally and can see and hear what's going on. I, I go overboard in this area. And I have an accountability partner that I meet with every week. And we talk about these and we get really honest about temptations and, and things that are going on in our lives and because we want to stay in victory. And maybe you're thinking, Carrie, are you that weak? Pastor Carrie, are you, I mean, what? Are you that weak? Hey, I'm a pastor, but I'm also a man. And are you that weak that you're just about to fall all the time? Well, not today. I'm really strong. Maybe not tomorrow. Maybe not next week. But what about a year from now? What about five years from now? In a vulnerable place, when I'm feeling down, when I'm feeling low. And it's right there, available. What about during those times? It's not worth it. It's not worth it. And so I just really encourage you and I challenge you. This is what I have to do in this day and age to live in victory. And it's so worth it. And so we've got some resources for you. Dr. Paul, our psychiatrist pastor on staff, um, he's put together some resources. If you'll text the word resource right now, resource to 97000, then there's some books that Paul and I recommend that will really be helpful to you. There's also internet filters recommended that can be helpful to you. Um, several different things, courses that we recommend. And by the way, this Tuesday night at 7 p.m. right here in the auditorium, Dr. Paul and I are going to be having a discussion about this to go deeper. It's going to be all about how to build healthy relationships in the sex-obsessed culture and how to protect your kids from the internet and all the technologies coming up that my generation wasn't prepared to protect our kids. You know, it just caught up with us so fast. So how do you protect your kids? I'm just gonna be asking him a lot of different questions. We're gonna be discussing this. It's seven o'clock, we've got childcare provided. Don't miss it. We're gonna talk about, as a single adult, how do you live as a married couple? How do you live? What are some things that you can do and, and parents? And so don't miss it. And we're gonna live stream it as well. Seven o'clock right here. And we're gonna have it at our... Tascacita campus, and also here at the Woodlands campus. Victory is possible. But then I want you to see a third thing. You gotta bring your shame to the cross and live in God's grace. You see, shame is what Satan uses to really hurt us with this sin. And God wants to deliver you from shame. In Romans 8, 1, it says, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Isn't that amazing? There's no depth of shame that the love of God cannot take away. There's no story that he cannot redeem. There's no one who's gone so far that the love of God cannot reach them. And so today, I'm so excited about what's gonna happen. It's gonna start something that is just gonna be soul-changing, relationship-changing, family-changing, generation-changing, because you can't have victory over lust. You can't have victory, but you can't unless unless you confess it, unless you make no provision for the flesh, unless you start renewing your mind and you start living in victory and you get a power that goes beyond measure because it's not just forgiveness anymore, it's victory. Seeing God's power in your life every day in something that so many of us struggle with. Victory is possible. I'm not here to cast shame on you. That's what Satan does. He wants you to live in shame. 
in shame. He wants you to never tell anyone that's just too bad, too awful, all things you've done. He wants you to live in shame. God wants you to live in victory. And this week, this is gonna cause some conversation between husbands and wives. And some of you husbands are thinking, thanks so much, Carrie, for this one. Thanks so much. But you know what? God's gonna use it so powerfully in connection, in honesty. Don't you want, for those of you who are married and struggling with this, don't you want there to be one person in your life that totally knows you completely the good, bad, and ugly before you die? At least one person who knows it all before you die? God wants to set you free. So I really just challenge you. Take that little baby step. Realize we're all in this together. Realize this is something that is a wound in your heart. And you gotta go back. You gotta go back and let God heal it. And he is the healer. And he will heal. He loves you. There's nothing you can do to make him love you any more, any less than he does right now. But he wants to give you his victory. You were made for more. And God wants you to live in that more that he made you for. Let's bow our heads right now. Dear God, I just thank you so much for your love for us. And Lord, I know that there's so many men here and and also women who are struggling, Lord, with pornography. And Lord, they, they don't want to. Lord, their deep want-tos, Lord, are, are getting overcome by their flesh. And I just pray, Lord, that you would right now start doing miracles, Lord, and setting people free from this, Lord, because I know that you got such great plans and you want them to experience your true pleasure. And Lord, this keeps us from all that you have for us. And Lord, I pray you'd begin healing these wounds and that you would give people the courage, just step out and just tell someone, Lord, and, and get the healing started. And that you would just bring about just amazing miracles, Lord. And I know that it's messy. Life change is always messy. We're all broken. We all have mess in our lives that we need you to heal. And I pray that you would do that, Lord. You would begin healing, Lord, all the hurts and the wounds and that you would begin lifting the shame and filling us with your power and strength, that we would live in community, Lord, coming to church, not having to act like we've got it all together, but just admitting that we don't, but that you do, and you can take that brokenness and we give it to you and, and build something beautiful out of it. We pray that you would build marriages, Lord, restore hearts, restore lives, restore relationships as only you can to protect our kids, Lord Jesus. And I pray for those who've never received you, they don't have a new heart, Lord. There's no hope without a new heart. I pray that they would just receive you right now and let you change them from the inside out. And they would say this prayer, Jesus Christ, come into my life, give me a new heart. I need a heart transplant. I need you to change me. Come into my life, forgive me of my sins and cleanse me with your grace. Take away my shame. I accept your free gift of heaven. Be the Lord of my life. I wanna follow you from now on. I know there's times I'm gonna stumble and fall, but Lord, even in my failures, I know that those failures are gonna turn me to your grace. Lord, I thank you that when we fail, when we stumble, you're not there to condemn us, but there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. You're there to lift us up. And it's in our greatest failures that many times we find your amazing grace. 
and we thank you. And I pray that that would happen today in so many lives all through our campuses and those who are worshiping with us online, that they'd never be the same again from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, now we're at the part of the service where we give back to God, Woodlands Church, and we take out our smartphone, so take out your smartphone and just text the word Give WC one word to nine, what is it, seven, nine, well, I, don't, I forgot what it is. We'll just text it wherever you want, see where it goes. No, don't do that, please. 77977, I believe it is. Give WC to 77977. All these numbers are confusing me. I think we're just going to start passing the basket again. How about that? Yeah, yeah. Don't clap unless you give. So you're going, yeah, that's so awesome, and you never give anything. That's great. Just, just kidding you, you know, just teasing, but not really. Um, Let's give to the Lord. We give, give WC to 77977, or you can go online, wc.org give, or uh, you can just give on your way out. Leave your offering in the offering boxes or mail it in, but give. And we're doing so much ministry right now, more than ever. I mean, we're just stretching and doing ministry to meet the needs of people in our area and around the world. And I tell you what, we're gonna keep preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and the truth, no matter what our culture says, we're gonna stand for the truth because... That's love. When you share the truth of God's word, it's life-changing. You know, the last thing that my mom said before she went to be with the Lord was, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's what she lived by. And one of the things that she did this last year that she wanted to do, every grandkid and great-grandkid, she shared Jesus with them just to make sure they knew Jesus and their salvation was secure. And I'm just so grateful to have had a mom like that. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Whatever he's calling you to do this week, you can do with his power. But first, you need to remember how much he loves you. You know, it's not that you need to love him more. It's that you need to know how much he loves you. And then it sets you free to know that a God who loves you that much, you can surrender your life. You can step out and risk. In spite of fears, you can step out in faith. So let's stand, Woodlands Church, and let's sing to the Lord because he loves you as he finds you. He doesn't say, you clean up your act, then I'll love you. No, he loves you just the way you are in your mess. But here's the amazing thing. He loves you too much to let you stay, stay there. He gives you the power to live in victory. Let's sing this with our whole heart. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.